Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. This month, we're celebrating a huge milestone, the 20th anniversary of the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff series. As a special thank you for your love and support, visit don'tsweat.com for a free download of a beautiful original image featuring an inspirational quote, perfect for your desktop or mobile device. Carry a little pick-me-up with you everywhere you go with this lovely gift from Christine and the team. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Well, I'm so excited and so honored to have our guest on today. But before we begin this celebration of 20 years of the movement from surrendering the small stuff to live the big stuff, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, just sit comfortably with your hands open on your lap and your feet uncrossed if you're sitting up in a chair. And if you're seated on the floor, sit Indian style and lean back against something so that you're comfortable. And if you're driving, of course, just pay attention to the road and just use this as a deep breathing, relaxing exercise. So let's go ahead and begin by closing our eyes and just taking some deep breaths with me. As you breathe in, allow your chest and your belly to expand, taking in the fullness of that breath. And as you exhale, just let go and relax. This time as you breathe in, breathe in golden sunlight, pure golden sunlight all the way to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and toes. Expanding your chest and your core and your belly with pure golden sunlight. And as you exhale, just relax and let go a little deeper. This time as you breathe in, breathe in love. Fill your heart with love. Fill your whole body with nothing but pure love. And as you exhale, Just relax and let go of any fear you feel. This time as you breathe in golden sunlight to every cell of your being, place your hand on your heart, opening your heart, activating your heart, and just spend a moment in complete gratitude. Could it be something somebody recently said to you? Could be an experience you had? It could be just being present in this moment right here right now and just spend a moment feeling that gratitude remembering that gratitude and as you breathe in golden sunlight one last time exhale and open your eyes oh that always feels so good to me just to take that just silent pause Well, I'm very honored to invite Dr. George Pransky onto the podcast today. He is one of two professional founders of the Understanding of the Principles of Mind, Thought, and Consciousness. He has taught the principles for over 30 years to individuals, couples, businesses, and colleagues. Dr. Pransky is the author of The Relationship Handbook and over 50 audio recordings. During his career, he has served on the faculty of three graduate universities and continues to pioneer this understanding in new industries. 
Currently, he is a partner at Pransky and Associates and on the executive committee of the Three Principles Global Community. Welcome, George. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today for many reasons. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure, Chris. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I want to tell you all, um, George Pransky is a very, very special person to both um, my late husband, Richard Carlson, and myself. We met George um, way back when we were first married. Um, I must have been about 20, maybe 23 years old. Richard was about 25, and Richard was beginning his career um, in psychology, meaning he was really just beginning his studies. And we were so blessed and so fortunate that um, Richard's dad knew George first, and George was um, a psychologist, and he was um, really respected by Richard's father, and I'll let him tell the story how they met. But we were just really, really lucky um, to be in the right place at the right time and meet the right person because George Pransky, would, I would consider George um, to be one of Richard's all-time most respected mentors. And, and I'm going to just bring him in now because he has so much to share. And I really, as a celebration of 20 years of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, I, I really can't celebrate Richard's career without first celebrating Dr. George Pransky. So, George, I'm so happy to have you on, and it was wonderful seeing you the other day, even though the circumstances weren't wonderful. <laughs> it was great yeah, to see you. It's always great to see you, Chris. You're, you're such a positive light in the world. It's just, it's just great the way you, you know, just how, what a nice outlook you have on life and the good feeling you have about people. So. I think that's I think it's wonderful. I I wanted to give a little a little history about myself and Rich. Is uh, his parents uh, Don and Barb came to Lacan because they were having difficulty as a couple, and uh, my wife and I met with them, and then they left. We were up in Seattle area, and they went back home to the to Orinda. And I got a I got a call from uh, from Rich, and he said, "Yeah, he, my parents were just up there down in Bob Carlson, and I was absolutely shocked at where they were when they came back, where their heads were, their, their feelings they had for each other. They were just so close and so nice with each other and so easy with each other, and I just couldn't." didn't understand how that could happen uh, so quickly. They've been to therapy many, many years, and they just they like different people. So I, I told them, well, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad it worked out so well. <laughs> and I, I asked, I, he asked me if that was common. I said, yeah, it is, yeah. It's, uh, we, we, we do find that people take a jump in their level of consciousness most of the time. So he asked if he could come up and see what we were doing, how we were able to affect people so deeply and so quickly. So uh, I said, fine. He And he, I said, when, when do you want to come up? He says, well, it's, I don't know, it's what, 9.30? Uh, 
I should be up sometime this evening. <laughs> That's the way he was. He just he just uh, said to me, I don't know when the plane is, but I'll be up there <laughs> as soon as I can. And sure enough, that evening he, he comes up and we have dinner together. And uh, I talked to him a little bit about what we talked about what we taught because the approach is a completely educational approach. So I just, you know, shared the understanding of this, of these three principles that, that Chris mentioned. And uh, I spent the next two days with Rich getting across the understanding that we teach. And two days isn't it? a huge amount of time. We usually have four days with people, but Rich was a really a quick study. So he, he told me that he had, he was in graduate school in psychology at John F. Kennedy University. And he was doing uh, his internship. And he'd gone to three different people to do an internship. And he said to me, well, George, uh, to be honest with you, I, it's kind of depressing sitting in with the, the therapists and clients. I don't see anything happening. And I'm actually uh, thinking of leaving the profession. And, and, and I'm, I'm a rolfer and I'm going into rolfing. Uh, but I, what you're telling me uh, sounds very hopeful. It really sounds like people have the capacity within them to write themselves psychologically and that you teach them essentially how the mind works, not only for them, but for every human being. And uh, you claim that they can catch on to that themselves. And once they do, they can be their own psychologist in a way. He said, no, I wouldn't have believed that, but for the fact that my uh, dad and mom uh, look like they're different people. And when I talk to them about what happened, they, they tell me what you just said. You know, we didn't understand how the mind worked, and we were inadvertently shooting ourselves in the foot, and we were going about things the wrong way and and our, our thinking was ruining our marriage and we didn't even realize that that's what it was. We thought it was circumstances and incompatibilities and, and all these problems were going on in our own minds and we didn't even know it. So Rich really caught on to it, Chris. He, he uh, I could see that he took a jump and he was suddenly feeling very differently about the possibility of uh, a, a psychologist or a therapist uh, being able to help people with the understanding that he gained just in those those couple of days. So I said to him, well, you know, Rich, uh, he said, well, I'd love to stay longer. I said, well, tomorrow I start with a client. And... Uh, you know, maybe you could sit in with this client and you could see me using this approach with a client and that'll give you, you know, a deeper understanding of what this is about. He said, well, if you wouldn't mind, that would be great. And it was a, a very serious client. It was a, uh, a pedophile. And 
very, very troubled, troubled individual. So Rich sat in and, and he said, uh, well, can I, what should I do? Should I just be kind of passive? I said, no, if you, I said, you've gained some understanding of this. If you want to say something, then go ahead. Well, Chris, it wasn't 15 minutes into the session that Rich starts talking about how the mind works, starts talking about the principles, uh, the role of thought in people's life. And it was totally grounded. In other words, you could tell that he saw what he was saying. He saw it for himself. And he was, by nature, a very high-spirited person, as you know. And uh, what he caught on to days before kind of unleashed that high-spiritedness. So he had a dramatic effect on the client. It's very uplifting to the client. So between us, we you know, talked to the client, and he caught on. And I was absolutely shocked that this person takes on a completely new approach. Two days of training, and he's able to jump in and really do it. So I, I thought to myself, wow, that's impressive. But then I realized that he was learning something that he already was a part of his life before he got in before he got into psychology. Yeah. You know, it was a part of his life. He was naturally high spirited. He was naturally loved people. So all this did was kind of validate what he already knew and he, what he was already living and it kind of took him back to the old Rich Carlson. And uh, most people that you know come up as clients uh, turn around, they're going in the wrong direction and they turn around and Rick was going in the right direction and kind of got distracted from that a little bit when he went into, into psychology school so now he was able to get behind it 200%. He was all over it. And uh, he was really grateful to be able to sit in and to, to have me spend the time with him. And he was very gracious. He thanked me a million times. And he said, uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back, George, and I have a whole new lease on my life and on my career. You know, thanks to the time we spent together, which I thought was an overstatement because he was already just a really great guy inside. So he would have he would have found that without me. But I thought it was very gracious of him to say that. Oh, no, and no, then, no, no. I'm, I mean, I think like really honestly, I think what what transpired between you and Richard was that. You know, yeah, he, he definitely, he would be considered a very high evolved soul. I mean, I knew that when I met him, he was far more evolved than I was. That's for sure when I was, you know, 18 to 20 years old. But um, but you you touched, you gave him a way to talk about what his natural state of health was. And I, and I think he picked up on that because, you know, he he understood deeply, you know, just he he could really get what you were saying and and really apply that you know to his own life like how it how it worked i mean he really was one of the healthiest people i've ever known i mean he really 
had very little anger. He had very little, um, he didn't have a lot of emotional turmoil, you know, he really didn't. So I think, but I mean, the beauty of what I always saw was that it was imperative also for me to learn um, about the principles so that Richard and I could continue to have a really mutually supportive relationship. And I'm so grateful too, because you know, what you taught us back in those early days and what we were exposed to really formed, you know, a huge body of work that's impacted millions of people and sort of brought them to the, an entry level, you know, with Don't Sweat the Small Stuff and the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff yeah. book series. And, and it certainly impacted my ability to move through grief and to be able to step into, um, this new life that I've, I've had to embrace and, you know, and, and Richard, if he were here today and he has throughout his books, always noted, you know, your brilliance as a teacher and as a mentor. And, and I, you know, that's why I so much wanted to have you on this podcast because we really do owe you so much. And you're just one of those special people that came along, you know, like almost like a real gift to Richard that really was instrumental in shaping him and and shifting him in the right direction for the rest of his career. So I know if he were here today, he he would be just so grateful and and of course telling you that. Mm. Well, that 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 made that made me good because I I got his manuscript. He sent me his manuscript, and I was really pleased with how he captured the spirit of mental freedom, yeah. the possibility of people having mental freedom that they weren't imprisoned by their past and imprisoned by their conditioning and imprisoned by their, you know, physiology. He really got across that people have the power to, you know, create a, a beautiful life and a beautiful feeling about life from within themselves via their own thinking. And that, that he he really got across in that book how people don't realize that they their thinking is giving their them their experience of life. That human thinking connects to uh our sensory system. So when we when we have a thought, if we're sitting here and we, we think, oh gee, I'm worried about doing doing my taxes next week, the instant we think that we'll feel this tension as if we were doing our taxes. <laughs> Just immediately the thoughts that we have are brought to life by the senses. And that's what the principle is about. There's, there's the principle of thought, which is, you know, points to the fact that human beings are thinking creatures. Two things we do our whole lives is think and, and breathe. The thinking is a continuous activity, even though it doesn't seem continuous, it is. And then the second principle is, is the principle of consciousness. And consciousness is simply pointing to the fact that we are conscious creatures and that we experience life and that what we're experiencing comes to our thinking. So we 
we think, and then we live in the feeling of our thinking. We live in the perception of our thinking. Our thinking is 100% responsible for whatever experience we have of life. And then the third principle, which we call mind, is the fact that we are part of a bigger system. Mm. There's an intelligence behind life that, and we, we are that intelligence. That intelligence comes through us, and that's the reason that we'll have thoughts out of the blue. That's the reason that we'll that we will uh, uh, have realizations. That's the reason that we uh, that we're steered in a healthy direction. You might say, just like our, in our bodies, mind, this formless energy behind life is also what informs our bodies. So if a person gets a cut, all these forces will come into play to heal that cut. We're built to be healthy. So anytime something gets wrong with our body, everything in the body moves towards uh, healing it and making us healthier. And that's what that intelligence is. The person I learned from, a man named Sidney Banks, uh, discovered uh, these principles. He kind of uncovered these principles. And he had an, uh, uh, what you might call an enlightenment experience. And uh, all of a sudden, he went from being this kind of troubled, you know, aging welder to this... Uh, wise, uh, deeply feelingful person, high-spirited person, who eventually would talk at universities and talk to psychologists. And Roger Mills and I were the first two people to, uh, to take him seriously. And he said to us, everybody lives in mental health and they don't know it yeah. because they their mental health is disguised by whatever thinking they're bringing to mind. So the thinking that they bring to mind uh, makes it look like uh, the world is, is a certain way and people are a certain way and life is a certain way. In actual fact, everybody is, lives in mental health. It is, it's a, it's a, it's a natural state, the same way that a healthy body is a natural state. So he showed me that the reality is people's well-being, their health, their, their love for other people, their joy in life, that was the reality and that the illusion, the appearance was the drama of life. You know, the stress and the distress and the friction. Now, before I met you, I thought, I thought it was the other way around. I, <laughs> I thought the drama was real life. And, and, and feelings of well-being was kind of like a, a vacation from real life or an oasis that you went on for a limited time. I had no idea that I had it totally backwards. 
And and then the other thing that Sidney Banks did introducing these principles was suggesting, and this has been proven true for, for 40 years for me personally and with, with my clients, suggesting that you don't even have to change your thinking or the way you feel or uh, the reality that you see. All you have to do is understand the nature of it, that it's just thought, that when people see life as just their thinking, that's all that's happening, It their thinking gets less, more peripheral, less important, and then the... The feelings behind life, the love, the joy, the tranquility, the contentment, uh, gets stronger. And their personal thinking gets weaker. So, for example, if you have a to-do list and you think that the to-do list uh, is informing you about how much you know, it has to be done this day, how quickly it has to be done. So when the to-do list looks like it's being imposed on you by life, uh, people get oppressed by it. But if your to-do list looks like just your thinking on what you want to get done and that any stress and distress is coming from your thinking about it, it's not from the list itself. And you begin to realize that uh, if you just attended to each item on the list, you'd have no stress and distress. That the stress and distress is the worry about the to-do list. So that'd be an example of how seeing something as thought, even though the list is the same, your experience of it is different. Mm. Yeah, that that completely makes sense and and um i love that example because that's one that everyone can relate to yeah yeah so how do you you know this this whole thing that you founded you know the principles of mind thought and consciousness um it really preceded the whole movement of positive psychology and yet i mean it 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 isn't positive psychology but there are some overlapping things you know like for example i love that um that you say and that you've always said that we are primarily mentally healthy and well and that really if you think about it the only slip that we ever make is is when we take our thinking too seriously and we allow our thinking to dictate our experience right right so that's the difference because it's like positive psychology, the positive psychology movement is absolutely a good thing for the world. It's really good that people are respecting that positive feelings and, 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 and being understanding of other people is a wonderful thing. What's been missing that uh, Sidney Banks brought to the table is that the positive psychology movement makes it appear that a person has to work at being positive. That's so true. And in an actual fact, that's our natural state. And you actually have to work to be negative. 
That's true. In order to be negative, you have to make up negative thoughts. And you have to believe in those thoughts. And if you don't do those two things, you can't be negative. You can't have a bad feeling. In order to have a bad feeling, you have to make up a painful thought and then believe in it. If you make it up and don't believe in it, it's not going to affect you. Well, it's going to just look like thought to you. And really, even when you have a negative thought, you know, what I love that you say is you don't even have to change your thought into a positive one. You just have to recognize, again, the simple understanding that it's not real, that it's yeah, just thought. And exactly. Like, for, for instance, between people, if I have someone at work and I think, oh, gee, that person is difficult, that person is uh an unpleasant person. Okay? That's an example of taking a thought seriously because I'm honestly convincing myself that in reality that person's a bad person. See? Now, if if I understand that it's just thought, it would look to me like, gee, I got really have this negative thinking about that person, and that's why I feel bad about them. And then if I had the thought, you know, I wish I wish I could feel good about them. I'm working with them. It'd be great if I felt good about them. I guarantee you that your feeling would start to change because the thought wouldn't seem as serious and as real to you. And because we're by nature healthy, healthier thoughts wiser thoughts about this person would come to the surface. And all of a sudden, you'd see them in a wiser light with more perspective. And you'd, you'd, uh, you'd have a, a uh, as a result, have a better feeling about them. And that's all it takes. If, if you can just suspect that any negative feelings you have are nothing but thoughts brought to life in the moment. That's all that's happening. Those thoughts do not have any staying power. They don't have any roots. And they will be very fluent. Yeah, so um, I'm just going to give you an example of how this kind of can play out too in a real concrete example because of course people say, well, bad things happen sometimes and and you know what do you and and those are real, which is true, but here's an example. So recently, I was in a bit of a hurry, and I was in Marin County, and um I have kind of a bigger car, and it has all the bells and whistles and warnings, but you'd think that would stop me from backing into the nicest car on the street. <laughs> so I I did that recently, and that's the only kind of accident I ever have is I back into things so. Fortunately, that's that's it's not so bad, but still, it's inconvenient, you know, for the person that I backed into, and also inconvenient for me, and all of that, and and yet, <clears throat> and yet, I I put these principles to use because um, the way I the way I deal with that is I acknowledge, you know, yeah, I mean, that's that's not a fun thing. It's not a fun thing for me. It's not a fun thing for the person. But instead of you know turning it into a big drama or anything, or even if somebody does that to me, 
you know, I just, I really just look at it like, wow, you know, sometimes things happen. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't engage in the negative thoughts that come from having something bad happen. You know, I, I, I've learned to not trust those and to disengage from going down that path, knowing that that path is only going to take me to one place. And so it's, it's just, it's almost like a, a natural practice now, George, just to, and what, what ended up happening, which was kind of really cool was I put, I put a note on the woman's car and when she called, you know, the first thing I said is, oh my gosh, I am so sorry I did that. And she was so, she said, well, I am just so pleased you left a note. <laughs> really? Yeah, we ended up having this really sweet connection and conversation, and she's just been a delight, you know, to to deal with. And, you know, and I think that's because um, you can really, you can really, your energy, the way you present yourself, the way you're inspired to live based on these principles really impacts like every situation you're in. And would you not agree? Have you found that in your own life as well? Oh, absolutely. Chris, because to the extent that you live in a nicer feeling and in, and have a good you know, feeling about other people and a good feeling about life, you kind of bring that out in other people. So in a way, you live in a distorted reality. You live, you live in a reality where people are nicer and, and more relaxed and, and more easygoing. So it, it, it puts you in a, in a rarefied world in a way. And I, I find that absolutely to be the case. It's like uh, when, you, when you come at people with a nicer feeling, they respond in kind. Yeah, that is so true. It's very contagious. Look, look I, I went to uh, return uh, a, you know, um, something that I bought, and I didn't have the receipt, and and uh, and the woman wasn't sure that I even bought it there. So she got really upset and said, "Well, listen, I I can't be." allowing you to return things that weren't even bought at the store. She was very upset that I think she felt like I was trying to pull the wool over her eyes, something like that, which I understood completely because I was clueless about when I bought it and was I sure I bought it there. So I, but I understood because I understood where she was coming from. I didn't take it personally. It was like you and the, in the, in the car, remember how you said, yeah, those things happen? Well, that's a philosophical understanding of life. And when people see life philosophically, they have really nice lives. So in this case, I was able to do that. And I I said, well, listen, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I don't mean to put you out. It's very possible that I didn't buy this here. I, 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 uh, I hope I haven't been a hassle to you. She says, "Oh no, no, it's not a hassle. It's just that I get a lot of people coming here, and they and they want to uh, bring things that they know. That really, they didn't even buy." I said, "Well, I'm I'm really sorry. I I realized how hot it must be for you having all these people." And I honestly felt that way because I felt like 
She's got enough problems without somebody coming in completely unprepared. Doesn't even know whether he bought it there. So I said to her, well, listen, let's just say that I didn't buy it here. And I'll, I'll, she says, well, no. She says, um, you might have bought it here. <laughs> I said, well, she says, no, uh, listen, uh, let's say you bought it here, okay? Now, did, did you want to have an, an exchange or did you want to get a, a refund? I said, well, I'd rather get a refund. She says, all right, so let's say you bought it here and you're asking for a refund, okay? I said, oh, okay. She says, here's your refund. Wow. She says, and then she says to me, I'm sorry I gave you such a hard time, but you have to understand that I have to be very discriminating. I said, oh, I understand completely. So it was like, it changed the whole world that I was living in just because in that moment I was able to keep my bearings and not take it personally and not lose, you know, lose it. And it, uh, it turned things around. I might not have, I'm not saying that it always does. And I wasn't trying to turn it around. I was just trying to be a nice person. And it, it, it really, it really changed things. And I think, that everybody in their heart, they want to be a nice person. They want to be a good husband. They want to be a good spouse. They want to be a good parent. Everybody, nobody gets up in the morning and says, I think I'm going to be a bad person today. You know, I think that's where it's at. But they, their thinking takes them on a ride, sometimes in the wrong direction. And because of consciousness, because our thinking is brought to life and made to look real, the person doesn't know that that's what's happening. They think something bad is happening in the world and they're just responding to it. So it really helps to understand these principles, really helps you to be compassionate of others. And like in your illustration, be compassionate of yourself as well. Yeah, sometimes that's especially where it needs to start, I find. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, wow, George. I mean, when was the last time you were ever angry at anything? I just can't even imagine it. <laughs> well, I hate to tell you this, Chris, but I got angry at my wife, Linda, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, okay. That, yeah, that makes I, you I, human. I, I, I have... All, and this is what's interesting, and, and it's true about marriage, too. I have all the experiences everybody else has. I get mad, I get upset, I get impatient, I get self-deprecating. And in our marriage, we have, every, we have jealousy and we have competitive feelings and we get discouragement. And it's just that I, I understand those experiences for what they are. They're just temporary illusions, temporary distortions, what I take like personally. So the, the proportionate amount of time that I spend in those negative experiences is much different than before I met Sydney Banks. Yeah, I still have them. I still get, you know, today I, I got mad at Linda in the morning and then I came in and I got impatient about something that Terry was supposed to do. It's just they come and go uneventfully. Yeah, that's so true. Whereas I find before, that 
they used to take on a life of their own. And they, you know, they would just take me for a ride. But now they just come and go and eventually. It's just, you know, life is a, a full contact sport. It, it has its ups and downs. It has its rough moments. Uh, there are times when it's very humbling to see, you know, I say to myself, oh, my God, I'm teaching the principles and look at what a mess I am right now. So it's, <laughs> you never get beyond that. You never get where you don't have your ups and downs and you don't have your, you're overreacting to things and you don't have the taking things personally. It's just that if you know that that's, if you see that for what it is, for just a temporary thought created reality, it, it's it's not real. It makes all the difference. You know, I, I, I did a great story. I, I, at one point I had kind of a, a falling out with Sydney Banks and I was really down. I mean, more down than I can remember because I was thinking, well, not only is this a good friend, now that I screwed that up, but my whole career is based on what I learned from him. And now I'm not going to be able to, to, uh, you know, use him as a resource and I'll probably go broke and I'll end up on the street. And, oh man, I was down low. And my two kids were, I think eight and 10 at the time, uh, went to my wife and said, you know, dad has cancer. She said, what do you mean? Well, they basically said, there's no reason that he could be so down unless he had cancer. They could get yeah. He's got to have cancer. Why else? Because I'm usually such a high-spirited person. So they, she said, well, you go in and tell your dad, ask your dad if he's going to feel this way tomorrow. So they went in and they said, yeah, we want to know, Dad, whether you're going to feel this down tomorrow. Well, I was pretty down, Chris. I said, yeah. absolutely. I'll, I'll feel this this down the rest of my life. I'm telling you, my life is falling apart. My future's falling apart. So they went in and told Linda. So Linda said, well, I'll tell you what. You go in there and you tell your dad <laughs> if you want to bet him $10 that he'll feel better tomorrow. So if he feels better tomorrow, you get $10. If he doesn't, you give him ten dollars. Excuse me. Oh, bless. So they go in and they say, and oh, they were thrilled, Chris. They were thrilled. They said, Dad, uh, we're going to bet you ten dollars that you feel better tomorrow. I said, ten dollars? Yeah. I said, well, I, I I'm going to take you up on on that bet. They said, okay. So you betting the ten dollars, Dad? I thought, I thought about it and why it did. I said, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'm going to bet on that. Okay? Now, as soon as I said that, Chris, my spirits lifted. Because I, I, I had the understanding that I was caught in my own thinking. And that's all that happened. Wonderful. And that's all it took. And I was on the way back up. Now, once I came up a few levels, I thought of it completely differently. I thought, well, what am I talking about? Sid Banks and I have been, there's no reason why we, we won't get over this thing. It's no big deal. It's not the, 
end of Western civilization as we know it. Then I thought, and you know something? Whatever I know, I know, with or without Sydney Banks. So if I want to have a career based on what I've learned, I can do that. So I, I couldn't believe how stupid my perceptions were when I was way down. And I think that that's the beauty of the principles. It's, it's, it's a resilience. It's not about staying high and being up. It's about resilience. Going through life and being naturally resilient without having to work at it. And I think that's profound. I think that's the most unbelievable gift that anybody could receive is to gain that understanding. And I'm so grateful that I was in the right place at the right time. And, and, and uh, I was grateful that, uh, that Rich Carlson did a lot to bring this into the mainstream. Mm. Without Rich Carlson, this would not have reached the mainstream the way he did. He made this understanding accessible to people, and he did a tremendous service to the world in doing so. Oh, thank you. Yeah, he did. And, and, um, you know, and it's so what's what just occurs to me is, it's so beautiful, because our natural way of being when we're healthy is to be resilient. I mean, that is that is the most truth that we could possibly live by is that what you've described and, you know, in in these three principles really is a, a healthy mental state and way of life and and that is our natural status to be resilient absolutely and you can see it in young kids chris they keep their minds free and they are completely resilient you know like i remember my my youngest daughter got mad at me because i wouldn't wouldn't let her do something she says that's it dad i'm tired of living here i i'm you're a terrible dad i i hate my life and then she says, what's that? Is that fish? Is mom cooking fish? <laughs> she, she's done with it. She's over it. Over. I couldn't believe it. And that's the way young kids are. And that's the way people are when they're on vacation. And that's the, pe- the way people are when they, when they you know, uh, have, you know, uh, you know, floods and, natural disasters and clears their heads. And you see this resilience, this ability to be philosophical, this ability to take things in stride. And all Sid Banks did was to say, there's science behind this. There's principles behind this. This isn't an individual thing. It's people have, anybody that gains an understanding of how the mind works via mind consciousness and thought is going to be that way and be more that way as time goes on as they understand these principles deeper. So it became a way of life to people. So right now, it's really all over the world, this, this understanding. And the people that have been touched by it live these higher level lives with uh, tremendous resilience. Wow, that's a great place to sort of segue into wrapping this. You know, I where would you like to send people to find out more information about you? And let me just 
give you a little plug because George has some of the best tapes. I, you know, when my father-in-law, Don, George's dear friend, was in a rehabilitation hospital for a couple of years before he just passed away recently, and he had a box of George's um, tapes, and I would come in there, and I would grab a few more, and I would take them. <laughs> And then I bring it back and I take the I take a few extra more and I was really enjoying listening to those. And so um can you just name your website, George, for everyone? Okay. So uh, my website Chris is uh Kransky and Associates, P R A N S K Y and Associates uh, dot com. Yeah. And we have the tapes listed in my book, the relationship handbook. Uh is on is on the website as well and we have a course in the principles a very very uh, substantial course it's like eight lessons long it's called the insight course oh nice and it's uh you know it's eight eight lessons and each lesson builds on the previous lesson and introduces the next lesson so it uh, took us two years to, to put to put it together. It's, every lesson has a you know a lecture and, and, and a metaphor and a, an animation and a discussion with one of my peers. So the website has a, a lot of materials on there. Um, so I hope people you know in, in, enjoy it and, and find it helpful because uh, this has given me. This gave meeting Sydney Banks and learning these principles has given me uh, a, a really wonderful life. I'm very grateful for that. Oh, yeah, me too. It's sure made a huge difference in my life. And, and like I said, if Richard were here, he would tell you that it changed the trajectory of his life. So, George Pransky, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I know everyone is going to. Feel the peace and calm that I feel every time I listen to your voice. You are really something and such a wealth of wisdom and guidance. And I just can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure, Chris. And thanks for inviting me on. I, I, I feel privileged to be able to talk to your audience like this. Oh, it's wonderful. Thanks, George. And you have a great day. Okay, same to you. Thanks for listening to Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff with Christine Carlson. Visit Don'tSweat.com for your free download of a beautiful original image featuring an inspirational quote ready to make its home on your desktop or mobile device.